Welcome to episode 66 of Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church Presbyterian in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, my name is John Payne, and I'm sitting here uh, with uh, Pastor Ross Hodges, Associate Pastor at Christ Church, as well as our friend Confex Makhalira uh, from uh, Malawi. And uh, Confex, we're so excited that you are able to be with us on this episode. Hi, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. We want to spend some time getting to know you and for your listeners to get to know you a little bit and uh, about your ministry. Um, uh, give, us, uh, give us a little bit about yourself and, and what brought you to the United States. Yeah, so as you have already said, yeah, um, my name is Confex Makarira. I come from Malawi, uh, Southeast Africa. Um, for me to come here to the U.S., I, I came because of seminary, but briefly about my story. I, uh, I grew up uh, with my grandfather. I, I did not have a privilege to grow up with my father. And uh, my grandfather was a very godly man. He was an elder in the Presbyterian Church uh, in Malawi. Mm-hmm. And um, way back when I was a child, he taught me the Word of God. And yeah, when I grew up a little bit, he would read uh, the Westminster Shorter Catechism to me. Mm-hmm. And, and asking me to memorize. So that's how I grew up. Um, but later on in my teenage years, um, I wandered away from the faith. I stopped going to church and just a young man um, going into the world, just living for mm-hmm. himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, but that did not last long. Um, uh, a few years after that, a friend of mine who was a Christian invited me to a youth retreat at his church. I went there and uh, heard the gospel preached. Um, uh, the preacher there preached from Acts chapter number two, and uh, rebuking uh, the, the, in that passage as, as Peter is rebuking the Jews um, for rejecting Christ. Mm. And uh, I was convicted. Uh, I felt like I was running away from Christ, rejecting Christ, despite that I had a very good Christian heritage. And because of that, I was convicted, and I went into my room, prayed that the Lord would forgive me and mm. receive me back. So that was my turning point, and right away uh, I sensed it was called to go to Bible college to study. So I went to African Bible College, studied the Bible, and, uh, and that's where you met O. Palmer Robertson. Yes, okay. yes. So yeah, while at African Bible College, the first year of my studies at African Bible College, I had an opportunity to uh, to be taught by Dr. O. Palmer Robertson. Uh, mainly, I was involved with him through uh, the preaching ministry. He he, he, while he was there, he would go and preach in uh, in prison, and uh, he loved uh, prison ministry. And uh, he, I uh, would go with him uh, to, uh, when he was preaching. He would preach in English, and then I would translate it into my uh, local language. So that's how that's how I get to know Dr. Obama Robertson more. And uh, he was a blessing right away when I was starting my uh, my Bible study, uh, my Bible college studies. So let me back up just a little bit. Uh, earlier you shared with me that you had gotten caught up in what's called Rastafarianism. Yes. Now a lot of us have only heard of that because we used to listen to Bob Marley. Oh yes. yes. And uh, we know he was sort of into this Rastafarian religion. T- tell, yes. tell us exactly what that is and, and, and how you got kind of caught up in that in your days of rebellion. Yeah, yeah. so I tried to avoid, uh, to avoid mentioning that. I thought like maybe many people would not know it. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Rastafarianism really, um, when you trace the roots, is, is associated more with uh, Pan-Africanism. Uh, so people fighting for more independence in Africa, uh, it was just uh, when it arose, when it gained momentum, it was that time when most African countries were gaining independence. So it's attached more to that. But 
basically Rastafarianism, what it teaches is like, well, uh, the Christianity that we have today, as we understand it today, is a Western thing. It's, uh, it's, it's not an African thing. So Rastafarianism really is like, okay, trying to come up with something that is more appealing and more relevant to Africans. Mm. So uh, it's, it's another religion, really. And um, it teaches that Haile Selassie was the first, uh, not the first, but the emperor of Ethiopia hmm. is the second coming of Jesus Christ. Hmm. So, yeah, as a matter of fact, um, wow. Rastafarianism worships Jah, uh, which is God, through Haile Selassie. Wow. Yeah. And when, what are his years? Uh, so we, we are looking at uh, late 1800. Uh, he died... I think uh, he was born late 1800s, if I'm not mistaken, he died in 1975, wow. uh, that period, um, yeah. So, I mean, like, there, there are so many things that people say. Uh, uh, one of the things that I've heard is that uh, Emperor Haile Selassie himself said that he's not God, he refused that. Uh, but there are still people who worship him, and Rastafarianism really is about worshiping Jah through Haile Selassie. Wow, well, that's interesting, and, you know, for our listeners, some will have had uh, children walk away from the faith and get caught up in all kinds of various religions or movements, uh, whether it be some political movement or, or some, some uh, genre of spirituality, and uh, we ought not to lose hope uh, for them. Uh, we ought to pray for them, and what a wonderful testimony that the Lord brought you back yes. uh, through the witness of your family and, and truth that your grandfather uh, put in your heart as a child, and yeah. you, and you came back by the yeah. grace of God. So praise the Lord. And now, yeah. now, uh, so you went to African Bible College, and then from there, how did you get to the states? Yeah. So after African Bible College, I was involved in uh, teaching ministry. So I was teaching Bible and theology in Malawi uh, for about seven years, and uh, it was during that time uh, that when I was uh, when I was uh, doing this work as a teacher of the Bible and theology that. Uh, I sensed God's call to go into ministry. Uh, so right now, like in in Malawi, uh, there are no sound reformed uh, seminaries that you can go to. Of course, there have been efforts. Right now, I hear that there are some that are studying, but during my time, there was no sound. African Bible College by then um, w was offering only a bachelor's degree. So if you wanted to go further, usually if you want to go to a solid uh, reformed uh, seminary, you have to look outside Malawi. Oh. Yeah, so I had a couple of friends who had, uh, who had gone to Puritan Reformed Theological Seminary. And, um, and that's in Grand Rapids? In Grand Rapids, Michigan. And that's yeah. where Dr. Joel Beakey is the president, Yes, a friend of ours. Yes, yeah. and Joel Beakey is the president. So uh, these friends, uh, one of them uh, is a good friend. He encouraged me to consider uh, uh, Puritan. So I applied there and very thankful they offered me the scholarship, uh, tuition scholarship. So that was a blessing. and. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so we crossed the Atlantic to come here, uh, 9,000 uh, 9, miles from Malawi, to <laughs> wow. land in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So. <laughs> wow. And, and, and tell us about your family. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, when uh, I'm, I'm married to my wife, Mai, and we, the Lord has blessed us with two girls, um, Evangeline, she's three, and uh, Eliana, she's one. Um, when we were getting here uh, in the U.S., when we first came here, it was just two of us, myself and Mai. And uh, Evangeline and Eliana, uh, both of them were born here uh, when I was in seminary. So, mm, wow. Yeah. Uh, well, that is, uh, we're so thankful uh, just to hear what we've already heard, uh, that how the Lord had his hand upon you and 
uh, how he has brought you uh, from uh, walking in, from hearing the truth to walking in unbelief to then turning and fully running into the arms of Christ and uh, and being used as his instrument. Mm-hmm. Uh, but can you tell us uh, now just about you know you finished at Puritan, you're you're uh, now in the middle of a, a two-year internship uh, in uh, in Michigan as well. Uh, but so, so what you're doing now, and then what the future you you hope and pray holds uh, for you? Yeah, so uh, yeah, you're, as you have already said, right now I'm doing a pastoral internship or a pastoral fellowship at University Reformed Church, uh, a PCA congregation in East Lansing, which is where Jason Halopoulos is the pastor. Yes, he's a senior uh, good pastor. Good friend of ours as mm-hmm. well. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, uh, very good man. And uh, I'm doing this as part of my preparation for the work in Malawi. Um, the plan is to return to Malawi next year in June, the Lord willing, and uh, begin a work of planting uh, a, pres- a confessional Presbyterian church. Mm. Um, so we'll start with one church, planting this one church. Uh, the, the prayer and the plan and the vision is that through this one church plant, uh, other, church plant also, other, other church plants can also come out of it. Yeah. So, we hope to have men go out from this church to plant other uh, church plants and eventually form uh, a confessional Presbyterian denomination. Mm. Now, now, what is the, the landscape right now in Malawi as far as uh, other confessional reform type of works? Are, are there any any other works like that there? What What is sort of the, the scene as far as the churches are concerned? Yeah, so right now uh, in Malawi there is one main uh, Presbyterian denomination. Uh, it's called the Church of Central Africa Presbyterian, um, CCAP, but it, it is not really confessional. Um, and uh, of course some of the reservations that I have is the ordination of women, which for sure is not, is not biblical, and this is plugged in there. And just the lack of being confessional, but also um, adhering to, to the Word of God, that is a concern. Uh, that's why we like to start this church that is faithful to the Bible and preaches the gospel uh, of Christ and this confession as well as a Presbyterian denomination. So, yeah, there have been some efforts, of course, for some uh, um, uh, Presbyterian denomination that have come up, up lately. Uh, the ones that I know of, the ones that I've interacted with uh, through my interaction, suddenly realizing that they are not really Presbyterian. Uh, so we hope to work with them and hopefully the Lord to use us to reform these uh, this smaller Presbyterian denomination that eventually we can form one denomination together. So mm-hmm. really, uh, I should say you can hardly find a confessional Presbyterian church in Malawi right now. And as you speak about the mainline Presbyterian church yes. uh, in Malawi and Zambia and, and elsewhere, when you talk about starting something new, you're not start wanting to start something new because of narrow perspectives on this or that. Mm-hmm. This church is largely charismatic, Pentecostal, mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. kinds of infidelity and in pastoral leadership and elders you were sharing with me. Yes. That while there will still be faithful Christians within mm-hmm. that six million member denomination, yeah. that there's a tremendous amount of, of departure from the Reformed faith, even though it's under the banner of Presbyterianism. Is that right? Yes, yes, yeah. So, I mean, like, it's, it's, it's very common, really, like, to see churches that would call themselves Presbyterian or Reformed. But you go in there, you realize, no, this is not a Presbyterian church. This mm. is really a charismatic church, or this is a really Pentecostal church. So, I, I, I think the, the way we understand historically the Reformed, the confessional Presbyterian church, that understanding of a church, 
that emphasizes on the, the means of grace, preaching the gospel as it has been given uh, to us in, in, the, in the word of God. You can hardly find that. And, mm. and uh, the, it's not just a matter of, okay, we, let's just have another form of a Presbyterian church or another variety of a Presbyterian church, but really to see a, a, a church that it would really be Presbyterian, even in its government, uh, how the church is led, uh, Presbyterian government, uh, this will be like really a new start for Malawi. So, Confex, one of the big uh, conversations we're having within the PCA yeah. is the relationship between word and deed ministry. Yes. And there are those who are concerned that, that a word and deed ministry can turn into a deed and word ministry that then turns into a deed ministry yes, yeah. without the word. And so we're always trying to emphasize uh, the need for the gospel to stay central, for making disciples to stay central, and to understand a proper distinction between the Great Commission, go and make disciples, preach the gospel, um, and the Great Commandment, which is to love your neighbor. And, and the church's calling, of course, is to make disciples. And of course, we love our neighbor as well. It's distinction without separation. But, but uh, some are concerned that uh, within the orbit of Reformed churches, there is this emphasis on mercy ministry and community outreach and deed ministry that is that is departing from a word-centered ministry. Now, of course, in Malawi and in other parts of Africa, there are great needs uh, in the community uh, uh, where there are those who, who need food, who need uh, uh, clean water, who, who need... A, a place to stay, who, who need clothing, you know, those kinds of things. And uh, you shared with me earlier that the economy in Malawi is, is hurting. And um, so as you go in wanting to be faithful to the Great Commission and to keep uh, the gospel central in the church, keep the means of grace central in your church, how do you, how do you go about that as a, as a reform man going into Malawi wanting to keep uh, those things um, in order so as not to, to, to eclipse the proclamation of the gospel with, with deeds. Yeah, yeah. How, do you, how do you work that out in your own mind? Yeah, I mean, uh, that's really a good question and uh, that's a thing that we always need to wrestle with and constantly think through about that. Yeah, and coming from Malawi, uh, right now Malawi is uh, ranked as one of the poorest countries in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, so going there and preaching the gospel, for sure, there will be many needs. Sure. Um, man is both uh, spirit and soul. But when we look at the scripture, we see that uh, the primary call of the church is to proclaim the gospel. That's really the greatest call of the church. Because if we do, uh, for example, if we say, okay, um, did ministry, that can be done even by non-Christians. So that almost everyone can do it. But in terms of preaching the gospel, that is very unique to the church. No one else can do it. So Amen. the gospel has to be the primary thing in the church. And so this church, really, the primary thing will be the gospel. But now we are living, uh, we are living among people, we are ministering among people who are suffering, uh, uh, who are facing the effects of corruption, the government, injustice, uh, some of them don't have food. We cannot just uh, give a blind eye as these things are not there. That's right. uh, so the gospel first, 
And then secondary, uh, help these people. How do we help them? We, ca we come in as that. But not losing focus, uh, keeping the gospel primary. And I think that's how uh, it should be in the church. Really. One thing we like to say is that um, the, the, the gospel is the root of true ministry and deeds are the fruit of true ministry. Yes. And we always need to keep that distinction. We, we want... Uh, the fruit of we want the gospel ministry to be adorned with good works and with fruit yes. and with service, but mm -hmm. we never want that to become the the primary thing because we've seen so often in church history how how churches have given in to that temptation to want to simply meet physical needs yes. while ignoring the spiritual needs, and when you meet physical needs. Uh, Ross and I, Ross and I were talking about this recently. That when you meet physical needs and you get the, uh, you get immediate um, satisfaction from that. It's it's a, it's a good photo op, if you will. And I'm not trying to be cynical here, but it, 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 you make an immediate difference. You yeah. fill a stomach with food. You 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 clothe the person. And that can bring great satisfaction. Yeah. And in many ways, it should. Yeah. We want to help people. Yeah. But yeah. when you, you know preaching the offense of the gospel and telling people they're sinners and they need the grace of God, that's that's not as easy of a work and it can offend and all of those things. So you can see why that would become secondary over time. Yes. Sure. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think, yeah, like uh, coming to Malawi, I know for sure people say, for example, coming from America, you would be overwhelmed uh, with... Uh, uh, the poverty and suffering there and I think naturally the first thing is like what can I do uh, to help these people but as you rightly say um, we can help them uh, just temporarily uh, I, I mean like also like personally my own experience uh, I have seen that if you just um, help people uh, give them aid uh, but you don't seek to to change their hearts through the gospel even the aid has less impact in their lives you know mm -hmm. but uh, when when God has changed their heart, and then you come alongside and help them. That has a lasting, lasting impact because now they they learn uh, through the gospel to be faithful uh, to to the resources that God has entrusted them, uh, uh, and not, not just to live for selfish uh, means, and not just to to think of today, but also to think how this thing uh, that how the Lord has provided for them, how they can impact their families and their neighbors as well. All that will come when the gospel has worked in their heart. If uh, the gospel is not there, you can help them, but they will just live selfishly and they were just focusing on themse themselves. So they, the, the gospel really has to produce this fruit even when you are helping them with uh, the physical needs. Amen. So, so you've been studying in a wonderful uh, seminary over these past few years, and, yes. and you were recently ordained, by the way, as well. So yes, congratulations. yes. Thank yeah. you, thank you. Yeah, three weeks ago. So thank Have you gotten used to be calling, uh, be called the Reverend Confess? <laughs> yeah, yeah. still feel new? <laughs> yeah, sometimes I forget until somebody <laughs> says Reverend. I say, okay, yeah, or Pastor Confess. Okay, yeah. so, oh, yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> How many benedictions have you been doing so far? Uh, so far I've done two, so, so uh, yes, yeah. Well, good. Yes. Um, I wanted to ask, uh, if you were to say, and I know this is kind of a hard question, but yeah. if you had three books that yes. you've read, yeah. um, what, tell us the three books that maybe have had just a real big impact in your life since you've you know, been studying over here. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, that's three, um, uh, 
a difficult question. Uh, of course, um, but right now in my mind, of course, apart from the Bible, I would say uh, John Calvin Institute. Yeah, sure. uh, that has, uh, um, it's, it's just a wonderful book. I mean, it has had a great impact on my life, mm. uh, especially how I view my life as a Christian, especially in my relationship to God. And so, yeah, uh, Christ, I mean, John Calvin's Institute. And also, um, I, th I would say, uh, R.C. Sproul's Holiness of God. Mm. Uh, that, mm. uh, yeah, that book also has impacted my life and understanding uh, how sinful I am and how holy God is mm -hmm. and and to see uh, the gap that is there between me as a sinner and God as a holy God so yeah that's another book and of course uh, uh, John Bunny and Pilgrim's Progress I think mm -hmm. uh, I always go to that book again and again uh, I, th I think the Lord gifted John Bunny and to paint a true Christian life as a pilgrim and uh, mm. um, it, it is encouraging I always go back to that uh, to that book and I love to tell the story I um, to my kids just say a kids version of it yeah. and just yeah so I love uh, John Bunyan's so progress. do you know the relationship between John Owen and John Bunyan uh, no I think you should, <laughs> you so, should tell us so, so, so John Bunyan when he was in jail yeah uh, he, uh, John Owen, went and, uh, and, and met with him, and he was actually the one that got the manuscript and took it to get it published. Oh. So John Owen was very influential in the wow. publishing I did not of the oh. progress. Yeah, I did yeah. know that too. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yes. And Charles II um, asked, um, asked John Owen why he spends time with that, uh, that tinker, that, you know, that numb school or whatever. John Bunyan. Yeah, the, the yeah. Una, yeah, John Bunyan, the, that uh, uneducated man, you know, oh, kind of thing. Because yeah. John Owen was so eminent and was the, you know, dean of Christ Church and vice chancellor of Oxford under Cromwell. And so he was a giant intellectually, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, Owen responded by saying, I would, I would give up all my learning to be able to preach like that man. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just a neat, neat story there. Yeah. But, uh, well, uh, I hope that our listeners have been as encouraged as we are, yeah. Confex. We're so thankful for you and the work that God has done in your life. And if there are any who are interested in learning more about your ministry, um, please feel free to contact uh, us at Christ Church. Is there a, a website or anything that you have set up right now for your ministry, or is it... Yes, yeah. So, um, of course, they, are, they can contact Christ Church. Um, I'm going to go back to Malawi with Missions of the World. Missions of the World, okay. So, if you go uh, to the website of Missions of the World, mtw.org, uh, and then put my name there, uh, just put C-O-N-F-E-X, Confex, then it will bring you to our page, and uh, you'll find uh, in a summary what we hope to do in Malawi in planting this church and how you can partner with us. Yeah, so you are currently raising support. So, y yes. Yeah, if you're interested in getting behind this work financially, which I would uh, very much encourage you to do, talk to your sessions uh, as individuals, um, contact us or get on the MTW website and you can give directly through that and we would be uh, happy to speak with you more about Convex's ministry. Well, we thank you so much for being with us, and we hope that you have a wonderful week, and we'll see, talk to you next time on Between the Times.